Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. So, TikTok becomes uh, like a game changer, right? Instagram's scared that TikTok is like getting all the younger audience. Facebook is scared that TikTok is getting all the younger audience. Is TikTok going to make Instagram and Facebook irrelevant in in a few years, or has that already happened? I think it reached. I think it. I'm probably going to regret this, but I think it reached its peak. I can't see it being that sustainable. I mean, people still want to. I don't know. YouTube is disappearing, being replaced by Rumble. I'm finding that people won't watch a video more than five minutes, but video is where where it's at for 22, 23. But is video really the platform? Because I think of myself, right? And when I get an email with a link to a blog post, I'm more likely to open it because after I'm going to start a video, middle of a day, working on something, right? It's easy to kind of browse through the content on like a blog post easily. And still people keep promoting videos on emails. And I, I seriously don't understand why. Maybe I'm not the right customer or <laughs> right audience. I'm too old. Yeah, I'd love too old. I'd love to market to you because my passion is writing. So the blog thing is very important to me. I haven't been as active lately as I have because I think it's the summer. But um, I'm ramping up now for new content. I take the time out of the day to go on YouTube, but I'll target videos under 10 minutes. And then having said that, I've one of my channels, Bizzo Ambo Life, I bought an ambulance and have converted it to an RV. So now I'm a, a style guy <laughs> and I'm on YouTube with it. But my videos are 20, 30 minutes. But again, that's going to appeal to someone who's into that RV renovation type thing. So it's a hyper niche, right? So depending on what your niche is, that's what you're going to watch yourself. But it may so, not be what you need your clients to see to get you into this scenario. If you're doing blogs, you're not going to hope that someone's going to pick up your video from reading a blog. You're going to hope they're going to see it on YouTube, right? Yep. <laughs> well, it's a tricky situation. So how do B2B businesses really kind of double down on video? Is there a way for them to leverage the video part and get more customers or get, get more leads? Do you see any successful B2B brands doing that? Well, it comes down to content and your engagement with your community. I got to tell you, this one story, an expo ad, as it brings me to tears when I watch it. It's hard to believe, but every two years, they Procter & Gamble does a 15, 20-minute ad about mothers, the mothers of the athletes. And it's showing them picking up their children, making them breakfast in the morning and all this stuff. And you know, there's no product placement except for one spot that you can see a tied soapbox for about two seconds and it's brought in 500 million dollars so far now that's is it relevant to what you just asked me maybe not but it's a good story and i think it's about engagement if you're a gay baker you might want to engage the gay community in your neighborhood how do you do that with a gay influencer i think i don't know but it's not just picking up a phone or picking up your computers and finding an influencer or someone who's going to give you more business. It's research. Right. One of the important topics that interests me, right, and that you touched upon lightly was community management, like getting into the community, right? People are talking about community 
a lot these days. They say the time for push ads is gone. It is time for engagement, specifically with the community. Have you seen a lot of brands doing online community engagement? Putting out video is great. Can I build a community based on the storytelling and the content that I have? If so, what's the best way to do that? Community engagement is based on the fact that the brand is seen as ethical and seriously authentic. There was a big uh, brand several years ago. What was it? Oh, who makes Whopper, the hamburger? Vegetarian. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Anyway, they put an ad on Facebook thinking they were going to reach their market by saying, if you delete 10 of your friends on Facebook, we'll buy you a hamburger. It backfired, obviously. People didn't wow. find them authentic. They thought they thought it was hateful. They thought it was... Then you look at millennials who... Millennials value uh, brands that give back to the community. So if a community is giving away 5% to charity or doing a fundraiser for the Salvation Army or something, then the millennials are more likely to follow them and more likely to buy their brand. When I teach consumer behavior at university, it's like... Uh, it's real obvious how some brands can reach reach clients that way and how others fall flat on their face because no one would believe for in a minute that they're honest about it. So if you're going to engage any community, you have to be sincere and have a product that's relatable to them. Right. And one of the aspects I think we kind of are known for is having empathy for people as well. Is this something that brands have to translate into their storytelling as well? Oh, yeah. Empathy is a big thing. Like, I guess the reason I'm so good at it is because I've seen I've seen the same thing being done over and over again by businesses the wrong way because I've seen so many from the ground up. I've read hundreds and hundreds of business plans and they all have they share common mistakes and it's funny how how these people can operate their business and I guess empathy comes with knowing what hurts people and what their pain points are and, and understanding the issues that each of them face. And when you're marketing to these people, that's what you're trying to get out to. Like, what is really the thing you're trying to, to sell? Is it a bar of soap or is it, is it someone to come back and buy other products as well? Interesting. So this goes back to your basics or fundamentals, understanding people's pain and then understanding your customers. And if you kind of got these two aspects, then being authentic about your storytelling, that sounds like a good formula to get started. Well, it's the only one that's always proven to be successful. But, you know, every marketer tries to reinvent the wheel when, in fact, it's already been done over and over and over and over again. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Specifically, if you talk about your teaching experience, how do you see over the years your students changing? Do they have a different mindset? Are they asking different questions? Are they approaching marketing in a different manner? Well, yeah, I've, well, I mean... In the beginning, when I was running the incubator, I was teaching uh, mainly people who were over 30, and they were in a different position than someone coming out of high school. When I teach my consumer behavior and digital marketing courses, my students are 23, 24 years old because they're MBA students, and they're seriously looking at setting up businesses, and they're focused. I'm starting classes next week for a younger audience, so... That's going to be challenging, too, because they just want a degree. They don't care about where this is all going to lead them until they're out there starting their business and they're going to remember, hey, that Bizzo said this, hopefully. <laughs> right. So the perspectives are changing. 
from when you were running an incubator versus now? Are people thinking about marketing in a different angle through different lens? Well, they're the traditional, the people that are successful, the big corporations and the, the successful medium ones are all realizing that traditional marketing coupled with common sense practices are going to work. Whereas a lot of people try to do things that they think is a gimmick in hopes that they're going to generate sales. But my perspective is if you give people what they want and need, the sales are going to follow rather than go after them and say, buy my soap. You know, it just makes sense to me to to go at it that way rather than uh, hit them over the head with a brick and say, does that make you feel better? <laughs> right. But a lot of marketers uh, these uh, call the gimmicks the growth hacking part, right? All of them are growth hackers. <laughs> they all want to kind of grow. Growth hack. I had to look it up. Growth hackers. Yeah. What a joke. Come up with a different name for sales. Right. Right. Interesting. What is one common mistake that you see a lot of new companies or brands starting up do, right? Like a fundamental mistake, apart from not knowing their audience or understanding pain points. Is there... Are they over enthusiastic about delivery? <laughs> Do they promise more and deliver later? I've written about this extensively as uh, nerd speak. So you develop a product that you really don't know if anybody really wants because you think it's a good product. That's the first mistake, right? But the second thing is nerd speak. When you go to their website, always a technical product. Most times I go there and I'm not stupid, but I look at it and I say, what the hell are they selling? I don't get it. Because they're so caught up in their self-worth and their desire to get this out there that they don't talk to the same level that I'm reading it at. So, which that whole little thing was coached in the fact that people develop products for people. If they forget that, they're not going to be successful. Right. And we see a ton, a lot of companies coming in, developing products without thinking about marketing and then suddenly realizing that, hey, this is not selling out. Well, I mean, there's 15 to 20% of their gross sales hours in marketing when people already know their product. One of the biggest problems is when people put a business plan together, their marketing plan, it's like at the product, they've got a little bit of an idea who their market is, but they don't know how to get there. So they forget to uh, allocate resources to the marketing side. It's like, I'll just open my business and they'll show up. <laughs> Field of dreams. Yeah, only if that happened. <laughs> well, how do you see marketing changing over the next five, seven years? Do you see any emerging patterns? Well, 80% of brands use influencers. I still think influencers have a place. Video is becoming more and more like the place to be. As long as people can keep it short, like the attention span of most people is dropping to between one and two minutes. Yeah. Is LinkedIn changing a lot? Is LinkedIn becoming like Facebook with people sharing their personal stuff over LinkedIn? Isn't it supposed to be like a professional network? I got a job through with the Mexican government. I've got Huawei through uh, LinkedIn. I haven't seen a change in. I know some things change on it, but I don't see that. I still think it's a professional network. I wish people would stop trying to sell me stuff. I think that's becoming more prevalent. Like if I get one more web designer from Pakistan contacting me, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? It seems to me to be the place to go. I mean, people do read read your articles that you post on LinkedIn. They do genuinely look up. It's like a business card to me, right? 
you joined me this morning on LinkedIn. I wonder why. <laughs> right. Right. I, I want to follow you and look at your stuff. We want to see who this person is. You don't go on Google because you don't trust Google anymore. Yep. I'm not going to have any friends after this. Google, Facebook, Twitter, they're all going to gang up on me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can't be punished for being right. So I wouldn't kind of worry about that. Wonderful. Where can people find you online? Well, I've consolidated all my businesses under one roof. It's called the Bizzo Group. And that is the bizzogroup.com. And it looks like we do an awful lot of stuff, but it's all in support of the entrepreneur, whether it's video production, writing content, or helping them manage their business. Right. Is there any new venture coming in under Bizzo Group? Oh, I don't know. I might set up a university myself, like an online university. That's been in the works for a while, but it's a work of love. And I've written seven books, five of them over COVID period. I've got another big book coming out called The Startup, Early Growth to Early... I can't remember the name of it. But it's about business startups. That should be a huge book. And what does that book talk about? Just sneak preview. It talks about... Well, I, in my first book, I talked mainly about small businesses like uh, Joe's Coffee Shop and stuff like that. In the new book, The Startup, it's about tech startups and financing and all the things that you should be considering when you're looking at like setting up a corporation with partners and financers and and all that stuff. So it's a little different book. Got it. Who are some of the good people that you follow on social media? Somebody that kind of really impresses you on social media? Well, you're going to laugh, but I don't hang out with influencers. I don't follow influencers. And I really have nobody I follow. I watch Dave Rubin, if that counts as an influencer. But no, it's funny. I worked with Michael Gerber. Uh, most people don't remember Michael Gerber. He wrote The E-Myth, which was a definitive book for entrepreneurs in the 70s and 80s. And it's still popular. But yeah, him and I are friends. I follow him. He's he's probably in his 80s now, but you know he's still going. Pretty cool. Any particular reasons you don't follow influencers? Because I've seen this trend where influencers follow each other and promote each other. It's like a gang. No, I think most of them are full of shit. I don't like them. It's, I don't think a lot of influencers have the empathy that I require in, in my work. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I should be following these people. I don't well, know. I don't get anything out of it. For me, it's a pay yeah. it forward scenario. If I can pass something along to somebody that they don't know, why would I be going talking to influencers who know everything? Sure. Makes a lot of sense. This is helpful. Wonderful. Gary, I have a lot of questions more, but I think I'm going to kind of uh, be respectful of your time and give you a break here. We'll call you again, invite you again on the podcast in future. Yeah, 2.0. 2.0, <laughs> absolutely. But thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate this. I'm sure the listeners will get a lot of value. And don't be surprised if you get more LinkedIn invites uh, referring to podcasts. Well, thank you, Tejas. You're a great interviewer, and I appreciate the time to chat with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. 
make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, thanks for listening.